A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time. And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. Well, okay. I'm not going to be able to um, hang around much, but I want to drop in and say hello. Yeah. Okay. And that I hate Nick Madrigal. <laughs> I remember running home from school, turning on the TV to the Cubs game, sitting with my dad to watch his heroes. Welcome to the World Series Dreaming Chicago Cubs Dreamcast, now hanging out with the guys of Structured View. We are not affiliated with the actual Chicago Cubs, but we're just a bunch of guys who love the local nine and enjoy talking baseball and, of course, 2016 World Series champion Cubs. Hello again, this is Ken. I am Rice Cube on the socials. With me are the fellow jabronis of Obstructive View. I have Jeff, Skip, and Adam. How are you guys doing tonight? What's up? Doing good. Celebrating a birthday and getting out of here. So, uh, yeah, tell us how much you love Nick Madrigal before we get started, because I know you guys got to get out of here to continue celebrating your birthday. Well, I have such fiery old man anger against Nick Madrigal and and David Ross as well for continuing to present him in front of my poor crying old aged eyes but it is what it is here we are but uh at least he got a couple hits scored a couple runs he didn't do a double play and Morell hit a homer so all in all I guess they're both trying to make me happy on my birthday and we're technically not disseminating this without the express written consent of Major League Baseball because <laughs> we're not showing anything. So, yay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I am yeah, disseminating so tonight, the event. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought tonight, uh, as you guys can see in the chat, we'll talk about the rookies that just came up, uh, Matt Mervis and Miguel Maya. We have the suddenly very winnable NL Central. Talk a little bit about our plan, the Cubs' so-called plan of defense and pitching first. We're playing the Cardinals, or at least the Cubs are, tonight. So we can definitely talk about the kerfluffle that's been happening in St. Louis and now uh, here since they're at Wrigley. So how's that for a plan, guys? I love this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's do it. Sounds good. I got a lot of thoughts. Sounds good to me. As the spring gave away to summer, Past the ivy colored dreams toward the days that kept us yearning for tomorrow. Yeah, it looks like we just lost Adam because he's off celebrating his birthday. Uh, glad he was able to tell us a little bit about his wonderful thoughts on Nick Madrigal. But I thought we'd start with two highly anticipated rookies. One has been like hitting the snot out of the ball and down in Iowa. The other basically made his way back after a series of terrible injuries that have basically uh, ha- handicapped his career. So we're, of course, talking about Matt Mervis and Miguel Amaya. For me, when I was watching Amaya catch, because he's been uh, getting in a few starts ahead of Tucker Barnhart, who uh, unfortunately hasn't been as good as we had hoped. But it looks to me like he moves very well laterally. He receives very well. He seems to communicate well with the pitchers, and he's got a lot of rave reviews. I agree, Ken, and and I saw him back in the minors too. The thing is, considering how how many injuries he's had, he really looks pretty well polished. And I don't know if that's just because you know he's he's still been able to get some playing time 
every season or, or what. But I'm impressed with this kid. And I think, you know, the, the other thing that's that's pretty great about it is, you know, even though it feels like he's been around forever, he's still only 24, which makes him younger than Mervis. The fact that he's coming up at 24 seems, you know, like it's really kind of on on course, particularly for a catcher. Yeah, I've been uh, pleasantly surprised, too. I think part of the reason that it, it seems like he's been in the minors forever is that, uh, you know, as, as someone who barely follows the minors, I, I mixed him up with uh, another Amaya who was in the Cubs system before him. So I feel like hasn't this guy been in the minors for like eight years? But uh, he is not a, what, Giascar Amaya, who I guess was a first baseman. Can't remember. But yeah, he's been great. I'm really glad to, to see him work, working well up here. It's a good, good problem to have, uh, having credible catchers. Yeah, it's too bad that the Cubs signed Tucker Barnhart to such a long deal. <laughs> Vial is ready way sooner than anyone expected. And Barnhart is definitely not look good. Well, but Jan Gomes' contract is up at the end of this year. So, um, I mean, Barnhart can continue to be the, the backup. Amaya was called up first and then they called up Mervis, right? Because of uh, Jan Gomes' uh, seven-day concussion IL. So, yeah, that makes sense. All these games have been blending in because, unfortunately, they haven't been playing too well. And we'll talk about that later. But... Matt Mervis came up and he got his first uh, MLB hit, his first RBI. He's been looking actually pretty solid against even tough pitching. Like the results haven't come yet, but it, I, I feel like his approach, it, it seems more advanced than you would expect from a guy who just came up for his first cup of coffee. I haven't been paying real close attention to the splits, but somewhere I read where Really, the pitchers he's faced so far, none of them have been in favor. You know, none of them have been the type of pitcher that pitched to his strengths in terms of in terms of the splits. The power that he's shown, you know, hitting the ball hard and Amaya too, for that matter, and the hits that he is getting, those are still, you know, against types of pitchers you wouldn't expect him to do as well as well against. So, seems like he's he's adjusted pretty well. One thing about the conversation with Mervis online or in the blogs or the online sports news and things is they all talk about how he was undrafted, but he was undrafted in 2020 when the Major League Baseball only went five rounds. So all that means is he wasn't drafted in the top five rounds. And lots of uh, Major League Baseball players are drafted, you know, from round six or below uh, and make the make the majors right so you know this idea that he was an undrafted player i kind of feel like they're not giving him enough credit or they're uh trying to hype up the fact that they they got some player that that everybody else overlooked but uh, i I don't really feel like that's the case i feel like you know probably the cubs would have drafted him in the sixth round or the seventh round anyway because they already had his their eyes on so i'm i'm a little tired of that thread in the in some of the coverage of matt mervis i think that's fair and uh, another thing that was very interesting is that like a lot of people had concerns about this defense and so far, he's been tested a few times. Like, you know, Dansby Swanson does this really cool, like, slide stab to, to get to the ball. And then he bounced the ball into the dirt a couple of times. But I think those were designed hops. And uh, Mervis has been able to pick them out pretty well. And he seems pretty capable at first base. So he's like, you know, he's a big guy. He's kind of slow. 
Uh, you probably have to hit a home run for him to score from second, but that kind of thing happens. And, you know, you take the weaknesses with the strengths. We recently had another very slow first baseman, but he did all right. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure if Mervis is going to win a gold glove or not, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he keeps working at it and if his, like, baseline is basically what we've seen so far. I imagine he's going to clank a few plays and people will get mad and be like, oh, I'll send him back down. But from what I've seen so far, I've been pretty impressed. I mean, at least for now, he's got the advantage of having uh, Eric Hosmer around, so you know it could be worse. (laughs) When do you guys think they're going to cut bait? Because, you know, we're in early May right now. Isn't Hosmer the next one to go? It, it really feels like the next time they're going to bring somebody up, isn't he the, the, the logical option? Well, I guess it could be Madrigal. You know, Madrigal or Hosmer, those are the two guys that feel like they're producing the least at this point. So Madrigal at least has positional versatility. So if nothing else, that, that'll probably keep him on the roster over Hosmer. And the other thing I was thinking about, it's much more less likely, but... If Barnhart isn't hitting, if he can't throw base runners out, if, heaven forbid, the front office looks at the record with a Barnhart behind the plate versus uh, Jan Gomes versus even Miguel Amaya, then he might be cut cut off because uh, they're, that deal that they signed him to isn't even that expensive. Yeah, backup catchers don't make, uh, don't make big money. I got to believe they'll keep Barnhart for a while yet because there've been a lot of rave reviews about his about his uh, work with the pitchers and I mean as well as Amaya but but earlier on we were hearing kind of the same thing about Barnhart too so I I, I got to believe they're going to keep him around for a while and Hoyer's already said that essentially they don't care about batting average and on-base percentage from catchers so, you know, if he can hover around 180, he's probably going to stay on the team. It's kind of embarrassing, but but I think that's uh, – I, I'd be surprised if he would get cut. And I suspect they'd, they'd send Amaya back down and let him get some more seasoning in AAA and then bring him back up. This actually leads into the fact that the NL Central is suddenly very winnable, basically for everybody. Cubs are now sitting in third place. They're hovering around 500. I think says they should be better. And honestly, they should be. They've lost a lot of unlucky games. They've lost a lot of games where they've had like really terrible situational hitting, terrible at-bats, terrible decisions. Why are you sending Madrigal? Those kinds of things. Uh, why are you doing the hit and run here? Why are you bunting? But uh, the NL Central is still very winnable. So this is why we're so concerned about the roster makeup. We want to make sure that the Cubs are always putting in the 26 best guys, and that's not really happening yet. And I don't know if it's by design. I don't know if there's like some weird contractual thing. But right now, it's not the 26 best guys. And we'd like to get there eventually. But while they're here, we'd like to also maximize what they can do for the team. Yeah, man, I think I think that's exactly right. I don't see the Cubs being huge players at the at the trade deadline this year. Still, I, I think they're thinking still along along the long term. But I, I could see them if they can get it, get a few guys that they can keep for uh, another year or so. I could see them doing something like that. 
the 26 best guys clearly were not there yet. And I, I guess the idea is they're still trying to show, you know, some some credibility with veteran players. And th- this is a good place to get yourself a chance to come back. And it's worked with Bellinger, right? But clearly Hosmer is not going to be around that much longer. And then they've got some other guys at AAA that are doing pretty good, too. So we haven't talked about Morrell, but he's up now as well and he, he was hitting the snot out of the ball in addition to Mervis and so he's back up the kind of energy and enthusiasm he brings I, I think that'll really help the Cubs too now if only some of them would start hitting with runners in scoring position that'd be quite a feat sure Ron Santos spinning in his grave <laughs> over all of the guys left on third base that was pretty ridiculous, especially like you saw it in the Marlins series, you saw it in the National series, you saw it basically Monday's game. So there's a lot of missed opportunities with this team. That's part of the reason why they're at 500 instead of much better. On the other hand, the plan seems to be working so far that the pitching is basically carrying the club until they decide that, oh, yeah, maybe we should score some runs. But the defense has been spectacular. Uh, Hopefully, Nico Horner comes back pretty soon from his little hamstring strain. Honestly, I think they should probably just IL him. But I know that a lot of teams are just going to wait it out as if it's that mild. And I guess the Cubs are no different. But it it does kind of frustrate you when they're they're basically fast-tracking a guy and then he plays hurt and then he aggravates it even more. Yeah, those day-to-day injuries are always, always tricky ones. But, I mean, with morale around, I mean, they, they could probably just keep him on the bench for a few days. And the good thing, too, is that if he can't go, they can always backdate the IL stint. It's not like they need to bring up morale. <laughs> it's not like you need the roster spot to bring up morale. He's already here. Well, and, and the other nice thing is is you get some of these young guys a chance to play, right? So Horner takes a couple days off, and morale gets to play, and maybe we get to see Madrigal a little bit more, you know, to Adam Chagrin and, and, and you get to see, you know, what he can do with a two or three days in a row. And, and if that gets him started a little bit, then, you know, that's not a bad thing. And, and, and that's one of the things about when you're trying to create depth on your bench, you, you got to give these players a chance to actually play sometimes. And so some, sometimes a short injury break isn't such a big loss. Here's the thing about all these losses, and this, you know, I, I haven't looked, but I know they lost, what, six games in a row by one run, and that seems pretty unusual to me. And and so I don't know if Jason Stark's going to talk about that in his, in his next column or not, but that's pretty weird, right? It's extremely unlucky, and I think it's equal parts luck and equal parts bad execution. And uh, I know you posted something about, you know, Zach Miskinstry doing well in his limited playing time in Detroit versus Madrigal. Yeah, it's just like, what the heck's going on with these guys, right? What What's going on with the coaching? Why are they doing some weird stuff like, you know, bunting and extras when, you know, they, they just got two guys on? There, there's a lot of different things that cause me anger and I just pushed them out of my mind. But uh, I, I think in the moment. It's, it's kind of like vaccines, right? Like if enough people, enough of a critical mass say that that decision is probably wrong, no matter how smart the front office is, it's probably wrong. But uh, sometimes it works out. And in the Cubs case, most of their decisions haven't worked out. And I'm kind of uh, making fun of the video guy, too, because a lot of their challenges haven't gone their way. And I'm wondering, well, how much of it is the fact that the video guy who we don't know is not very perceptive or how much of it is oh i'm panicking we only have 15 seconds what do i do 
Yeah, I think it's a lack of time, unless uh, you know that the video guy has been too busy practicing for for a new uh, bunting tournament. You, you never know. Maybe it's uh, you know it's the eight in, eighth inning, and I haven't used my challenge yet. That was a pretty close play. I'm going to use it anyway, just in case, because otherwise I might not get a chance. Yeah, I think that that works too. Like if it's late, they might as well use the challenge. But I felt like that wasn't too late, was it? What, what, when was that challenge for the foul, foul fair ball the, the other night? I don't know. I wasn't watching that game. Me neither. You tell us, Ken. That's an excellent question. I think at that point I probably had turned it off. That leads me to, to just like a little bit of philosophy because like I'm kind of mad, but I'm not that mad. 2016 has sustained me for a few years. I'm able to just say, well, I have other things to care, care about, like, you know, my job, my family, other things. So with a little bit of maturity, I'm able to just kind of block that from my mind. So I, I feel like that was earlier than the eighth inning. But at the same time, you know, honestly, it's past and I, I don't care anymore. But if this kind of thing continues, then, you know, we, we have some concern. But for the time being, I'm just happy to, that I'm able to at least watch this Cubs team grow because they're going to be together. Like there's a core in place that's going to be together for a few years. And that's really cool. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel, too. I mean, I'm not really mad at all. I'm just kind of like compared to what we saw like the last two years, I'm just excited to just be watching a cromulent team. But so, yeah, they make mistakes, but well, a, lot, a lot of things happen in baseball. I, I wish that I wish that they, they won a few more games. But I don't think this team's going to win the World Series, so I, I don't feel like I'm on, on the edge of my seat for every pitch either. So I'm just happy to watch good-ish baseball. Even if uh, watching Eric Hosmer ground into a thousand double plays is not super fun. You guys remember back in the day when Derek Lee was still on the team and Derek Lee is like a highly underrated player. I love Derek Lee and I think he was extremely underappreciated because of all the double plays he granted into. But that also means that they're getting a lot of men on base and there are a lot of opportunities for both runs batted in and double plays, which is unfortunate because guy was just thinking in terms of, hey, even Barry Bonds and that one year where he was on base 61 percent of the time. That means he still made an out like 39% of the time. There's a lot of failure in the sport. So I, I'm just trying to take that in the stride. But I also feel like this team with the right breaks, with the right balances could be a lot better. And I, I think generally I agree with you. This team probably won't win the World Series. I don't think they're deep enough. I don't think they're going to get enough wins to get a good seating. But if they get in the postseason, who the hell knows, right? Like uh, the Phillies went all the way to the World Series and they played the Astros pretty tough. So you just need a chance. And so I just want to make sure that they get that chance. I think we all, well, except for Adam, who was like super optimistic on, on their record, you know, um, a couple times ago on one of our podcasts, we all sort of expected them to be, you know, between an 82 and an 85 win team, something like that. And they're, you know, they're essentially on pace for something along that line, right? 81, 82, 83, if they're a 500 team. But the thing is, is is one of the things that I expected to be a real strength of this team was the bullpen. And the bullpen hasn't settled in yet. But, you know, the last couple of years, the bullpen hadn't settled in by mid-May either. And so there's there's a few spots here where I feel like if you look at even the teams that were bad the last few years, there were some places where there were there was marked improvement as the season went on. And uh, the bullpen would be one of those one of those spots where, you know, once it settles in, 
once the roles are there, once they figure out who's going to be effective when, then I, I feel like some of these one-run losses will turn into one-run leads. Yeah, I do agree. And just based on what I've seen from the starting pitching, they're coming around like Tyone Tuesday night. Didn't do too hot, but I think he, he had good stuff. He just did, couldn't command it. And I wonder if that's just a function of him being out of it for a little bit while he was on the IL with that groin strain. I feel like they're going to be okay, but, you know, expecting them to be perfect every time out is a fool's errand. The offense has to step up every now and then. Even before uh, Tyone went went out with that injury, I mean, his his peripherals were were pretty good. He was just having bad luck in the ERA department. But, yeah, pitching's been fine. I mean, they'll regress a little bit, but I, I think I predicted 80 wins going into the season, and I felt that was very optimistic, but now I feel like it's about right. <laughs> They'll, they'll do okay. They'll be uh, they'll be they'll be pesky for those of you who listen to uh, effectively wild. I think Mega. That's how she defined the team, and I was like, that's that's about right. And that that that's good. It beats uh you know just being depressing and watching you know Frank Schwindel hit 20 home runs for a nothing team. You know we we got young guys. We got a you know a bit of a log jam, and that, that, that that's what you want to see. Don't want to see Hosmer hitting with the bases loaded, but you know here we are again. Yeah, at some point they're going to cut bait. And I think, you know, with Seiya Suzuki not having a spring training, he's trying to find his timing. I think he's going to adjust. I think the guys who are supposed to hit will hit. Cody Bellinger has been pretty darn good, which makes me think like he he figures something out on his own, probably independently of the coaching staff, but who knows, right? But there there is enough in this lineup that can make some noise. And like Jeff said, they can be very pesky. They still have a p- very positive run differential. They're one of the highest scoring teams in the league, even though, you know, a lot of that is just beating up on Oakland, which was very enjoyable to see in person. But those runs still count. If they can get it together, like, you know, there are a lot of missed opportunities early in the season. They should definitely be over 500 instead of just hovering at 500. But there's still a lot of season left. Like even the players, they're not panicking. The coaching staff isn't panicking. I don't think we should either. And I I feel like staying the course and, you know, letting Hosmer finally tell the club, hey, uh, my performance is not what it should be. Maybe you should cut me. Like he's not going to say that out loud, but the performance, the numbers will. Maybe they could trade him to some team he uh, closer to home or something uh, for a single A pitcher. Would probably have to be a reliever. Yeah, a single A relief pitcher. I heard cash considerations was still available. Except they're ba- barely paying him anything. That's true. He's not even making the league minimum. Speaking of the team that the Cubs are currently playing, uh, you guys heard the whole kerfluffle with uh, Wilson Contreras not catching anymore, right? I heard a little bit about that on the Athletic Podcast, and uh, obviously we all read the articles and the uh, recaps of other articles and whatnot. Uh, It seems like there's either a massive panic or a massive miscommunication in that entire organization. It basically stems to he is not Yadier Molina. Yeah, I got a, a lot of opinions about this. I can't stop talking about it on the blog. I find it like this equal parts just hilarious and kind of infuriating. Like why they're scapegoating Wilson on this is just 
the same. Like, like on the one hand, like, what do they expect? Everyone knew he was an offensive catcher and that he's not that great defensively. But at the same time, it's not like he's Kyle Schwarber back there behind the plate. He's fine. A little below average. I don't know about whatever crazy bespoke right way pitching system they had. <laughs> I feel like Wilson's actually handled this pretty well because I would be, I would be pretty pissed off if if this happened to me. At least he's getting paid too before all this all this shit happened. Not it's not something like where like someone traded him to the Cardinals and then they they dropped the stuff on him. Like how, how do you, how does he even go back to catching after this? I mean they they just took a a, a giant dump on the dude that they just uh, signed for ninety million dollars or eighty five or whatever it was. It's just baffling and. Here to laugh at the Cardinals, but I just, it just makes no sense at all. <laughs> when you guys put on the blog about no catcher calls for a hanging fastball, right? Or a hanging off speed pitch. And I mean, honestly, the, the Cardinals pitching has been terrible. Their record is terrible because their pitching is terrible. And that's not Wilson Contreras' fault. He could, you know, marginally make them better, but that wouldn't change their record by more than a couple of wins. And what the heck, man? If you know you're getting a, a catcher who's who's known more as an offensive catcher and whose current team, meaning the Cubs, says they're moving on from him because you know they they want a, a catcher that's a better game planner or something like that, and then you sign that guy for five years, don't you start working with him in January or like right after you've signed him to to say okay here's what we want you to do and and. And here's the expectations and and how do you handle yourself so that so that we can begin to adapt to having you behind the plate? I mean, and 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 Mazeliak's comments about, well, you know, you can't do all that stuff in spring training because that's, you know, the pitchers only go for an inning or two. That's baloney. That's what spring training's for. I, I think you're right, because if I understand this correctly, Wilson Contreras went and talked to like every pitcher on the staff, told them how committed he was to working with them, and then he did work with them. So from his point of view, he, he should have done everything that he needed to. I, I think that's on the record. He was there. He was trying. He wanted to put in the work. And so doing this retrospectively, like... I guess it's not retrospective because they literally just did it before the, they, they came in to play the Cubs. But it, it, it's like they, they basically said that work was worthless and the pitchers didn't communicate at all or he didn't communicate at all. And I, now we really don't know what's going on because based on what I heard via the athletic podcast and reading the various articles, they're treating this as an internal problem. So there's a lot of vagueness to the story. But from, you know, the fans point of view, even from fans who aren't fans of that particular franchise, it seemed like he put in the work. He communicated with the pitcher. So what the hell's going on, right? He skipped the World Baseball Classic. I mean, he, he's obviously reached out to Yadier Molina to, to ask about these things. And even even Molina's like, yeah, these guys just aren't executing. <laughs> I mean, honestly, they're they're even though they say they're not scapegoating Wilson, they're totally scapegoating Wilson. And uh, there, there's no other way around that. That's how it is. And, you know, the the manager, Marmol, he did that with uh, was it Tyler O'Neill earlier when he called him out for not running hard to first base. And then you start to hear, oh, yeah, but he was injured and the trainers told him not to. And, you know, and, and, and it's, it's, not, it's not even a he wasn't running hard situation. It's like he was running at like 70 percent instead of 100 percent. Right. It's not like he was dogging it. 
Are we talking like, about O'Neill or Luis Robert with the uh, or Luis Roberts with the White Sox? Because uh, I, I feel like it could have been both, but mostly I heard that with Robert, Luis Robert. No, O'Neill about um, the third week of the season, something like that. No, he was called out. I just didn't know it was for not running a ball out because I know that's what happened to Robert. <laughs> that that was incredibly stupid. What happened uh, with the White Sox? I mean, it's not like the White Sox are running a great organization right now either. And uh, everything that needed to be said about that was on that rant. Um, you know that 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 was widely distributed. But but seriously, I mean, the connection I guess with both teams is Tony Larusa, and so you know maybe it's the it's the uh, delayed Tony Larusa effect or something. Uh, that's funny. I, I do want to make the point that they knew Yadier Molina was retiring. They had so much time to set up a non-Yadi catching infrastructure, and apparently they didn't do it. And then they chose a catcher who's, I guess the word now is notorious for not game planning optimally. It's always kind of confused me, too. I mean, I mean, it's always been like Contreras' defense has been like a weakness, but everyone's acting like the Cubs took a giant shit out of him and put a should have put billboards all around uh, Major League Baseball Stadium saying, don't sign this guy. But uh, they're pretty classy there. Like, we're, we're going to move on. I'm sure they would have been happy to have Wilson back at a lower price. I mean, it's not like they wanted him out the door necessarily. I think it's just more of a we don't want to pay what uh, we, he thinks he's worth. <laughs> that That's just the way it goes. This isn't like a Red Sox situation where they're uh, leaking stories about, like, managers potentially being addicted to drugs or anything like they did with Tito, which is still bananas. Speaking of crazy, uh, dysfunctional organization stories. And we all have been baseball fans for far too long. If we get that reference, I think you're right, uh, Jeff, you know, I mean, they, they were pretty nice actually with, with, with Wilson and, and honestly, 85 mil or whatever it is for a five-year contract for a, for a catcher. That's a, that's a big commitment for a position that breaks down a lot. So I, I don't blame him for not re-signing Wilson. I mean, I'm sad about it because, because I really liked watching him play and for, you know, whatever shortcomings he had with framing or, or whatever else he I've always felt like he made up for it throwing runners out clearly something's going on in in St. Louis and I'll, I'll be surprised if Marmol is the manager by the all-star break I, my guess is is that he goes if he if he makes it through the whole season I, I'd be super surprised if he comes back but I think you're going to see a lot of turnover at this point because I I, I can't imagine people are happy there yeah, speaking of the rest of the NL Central, there there was a stretch when I think the entire division lost something stupid like 18 straight games. So the Cubs, being as, I guess, horrible as they are right now, are only three games out of first place. At the end of the night, it might be three and a half, it might be two and a half, but the point is there's so much time left that they can make up that deficit. So my hope is that we will see better play and hopefully better decisions from the dugout too, because uh, there are certain obviously they've done a few things like Michael Fulmer is no longer closing and he seems to have thrived in his setup role. Uh, Boxberger became the primary closer and then uh, for whatever reason I, I, I guess he likes giving off leadoff hits including that leadoff home run that uh, the Nationals walked the Cubs off with. There's a number of things that still need to be fixed up uh, to get this team where it needs to be but uh, I, I do 
again, enjoy watching this team grow. I think, you know, a lot of them will be with the team for a long time, and there's continuity there that we didn't get with the last core. But hopefully they've learned enough from the last time to not let this particular core fall apart this time. Well, we've extended Horner and we've extended Hap, right? I mean, I I think those are both, and and actually in both cases, I think those are very favorable contracts on on both sides. They're they're not too overloaded in in length, but they seem to be fair annual value for for the players. So it seems like they have kind of turned over a new leaf on that. And gosh, you know, we do have some exciting prospects through the minor league system. So it, it doesn't feel like we have to we have to have to always find a free agent to plug every hole. There is a one very important free agent coming up that I hope the Cubs saved up enough money for, but I, I think that's very unlikely. However, there are a lot of guys that I think we can talk about next time. What we're trying to do now, that's we have a little momentum with this podcast. We're trying to make it at least biweekly, if not weekly. So I'd be happy to have you guys on with me again next week or the week after. Hopefully by then the Cubs are above 500. If not, I guess we'll have a lot to be cranky about. I'm hoping the same. For sure, but you know, even if they're still at 500, I'm I'm gonna be okay. I'm an easy fan to please because of all the years in the that I've watched them lose. But um, I I I still think you know if they're still hovering around 500 by uh, I don't know late June, um, then then they've still got time to to make a run, at least into the wild card. So I I think that's an okay. I think they're doing all right. Some of the losses have been frustrating. That extra inning one the other day was super frustrating, but I think that's okay. I think this is a team that's growing and and getting better. And I think they'll probably learn from those failures as well. At least you would hope so. Like, you know, maybe don't swing at that pitch next time or something. But as we can see from pitching ninja gifs, uh, pitching pitching is crazy and hitting is hard. So for me, I can't really blame them for swinging at stuff anymore because I know for sure I couldn't do it. And uh, I see from the tunneling and the overlays and everything, like how difficult it is to guess right. And you you hope that at some point they guess right more often than not. And they actually use those iPads that are supposed to be in the dugout, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I have a hard enough time hitting a slippage softball, so I, I can't even imagine what it's like to hit a uh, major league reliever. All right. So it seems like the Cubs are going to try to win this one on a walk-off. If they don't, you'll hear about it next week. But uh, yeah, thanks guys for hanging out with me. This has been, can you believe it, episode 59 of this revived Dreamcast. And of course, you can find us on Twitter as long as that website doesn't like go the way of the dodo at this point we are of course at obstructiveview.net so thanks guys for letting me hang out there and write there whenever i actually have time you can find world series dreaming on facebook i want to thank rich diana for our theme song and randall sanders for pulling the final out call from cubs and national hall of famer at hughes you can rate us on Apple Podcasts, share us with your friends. Email is still at worldseriesdreaming at gmail.com. Not sure if we've actually received anything there, but it's there. Go Cubs. Go Cubs and happy birthday and counting. Yeah, he left us, but uh, I guess he's going to celebrate another way. Ha ha. All right. 
and uh, we'll see you next time. It was more than just a game. It's so appropriate that a guy called And Counting is celebrating a birthday today. Yeah, 48 and counting. That That is not too bad, you know? You're, you're not even 50 yet, so you're still young, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. AC is old AF. It was more than just a game.